Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, and it's a special um, episode today as we preview the United Rugby Championship final that is happening on Saturday between the Stormers and Munster. We decided to record you a little episode just to specifically focus on the game, the matchups, and yeah, the storylines even, and, and some of the narrative going around in this match as well. So today I'm with Jared. Jared, how are you doing? How's, yeah, you excited for this uh, final this weekend? Yeah, how's it, Salah? It, it's, uh, it's really, really exciting to have another one in South Africa and another South African team in the final. And uh, I, I think it's quite uh, sparsy that uh, this year it's also a North v South uh, final again, mm. but uh, obviously not your Bulls making it, but uh, a proper Northern Hemisphere side. Yeah, and I think I think that actually adds more to the competition than, like you said, the the previous final being um, a South African derby. Like it's good to have these inter-country finals, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, in our time in Super Rugby, it was rare for an away team to win if they had to travel um, from mm. one country to another. Never mind one continent to another. But yeah, Munster has the opportunity to do something historical and the Stormers have an opportunity to also be historical in getting two from two. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to do that. I'm trying to think now. I can only think of the Crusaders winning in Joburg. Yeah. How many other inter-country finals uh, wins happened? I'm trying to think. Yeah, but... Uh... It's terrible that we can't think of these, <laughs> but but I don't think there was I I don't think there was too many um all in all even I I think even yeah. some of the ones um that like Australian sides came to New Zealand they they just lost as well so yeah, yeah. maybe Eddie, I think maybe Eddie Jones's Brumbies did did they not do it in uh, New Zealand of the Crusaders or was that in that or oh no I think it was the other way around I think all of they okay. the Brumbies ones were in Canberra but Crusaders did. Still one, I want to say 2004. I might be making this up. But yeah, I, if, if my memory is correct, I can only think of maybe two, but maybe not yeah. that much more like out of country wins. So yeah, this is, for Munster, this is a big, big, big challenge that they're trying to do um, on Saturday. But Jared, you were talking about this just before we recorded and Munster has a bit of a reputation as being sort of the, the bad boys and the party poopers here because um, they've ruined a few parties in the last few months and have had a, an amazing away record run, uh, away yeah. win record run in the, the last few games. Yeah, they they really, really have. I mean, I, I think it all started with uh, sort of with the Sharks or maybe the week before they played the Sharks when they... Um, played Glasgow no that wasn't Glasgow but um yeah it it sort of started with the Sharks where they drew with the Sharks and pretty much denied the Sharks uh Tarnican Champions Cup rugby for next season then ended the Stormer streak in Cape Town um I've actually gone and got that the wrong way around but uh, they ended the Stormer streak then drew with the Sharks took them out of the Champions Cup then went to Glasgow and ended their season and their unbeaten run at Scottsdale and then went and ruined the party for Leinster as well so so yeah the party poopers the villains they just keep rolling on and uh, you can see uh, someone like Peter Omani 
you either love him or hate him. And uh, when he's playing against your team, you really hate him. And he's <laughs> the the leader of the side. He's the he's the Dark Vader um, coming after every all the, all the um, Jedi's. And he does love. Oh, I think he loves being in um, being portrayed as a villain. Yeah. And it seems like the Munster fans also love this. <laughs> they seem mm. to be reveling in this like bad boy reputation of of, of yeah. you know killing or ruining people's seasons. No, I, I, th- I think it's such a great uh, addition to this uh, this year's uh, tournament that uh, we d- we don't have like. You have a look at the Premiership this weekend. They're also playing a final. It's Saracens versus Sale Sharks, and it's the two teams that have been the best throughout the season. And it was pretty much the same last year. So I really think it's great for the URC that we, just because you make the, the playoffs doesn't mean you're going to win the title, which which I think is mm. really, really awesome. And it was pretty much the same last year as well. Yeah, and I I guess yeah that does throw a bit of like unpredictable unpredictability to these um, finals. But Chad, let's yeah go into it and just sort of talk yeah. about Munster. And obviously, we probably have more South African um, listeners than we do any other listeners. So yeah, the what's the quick dummies guide to Munster for a South African fan that hasn't been um, paying attention to them? Like, who are they good players? How do they play? And like yeah, what what can yeah. um, so can fans expect from them? Yeah, I, I think uh, the one word that sort of springs to mind with Munster is bastards. And <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> like just just their run of results recently, like they've they haven't had them easy. Like they beat Leinster by one point. Um, they beat Glasgow by nine. They beat the Stormers um, also by two or three points. So. So yeah, they they such a niggly side. Um, we saw that with uh, the, when they played the Stormers, where um, Omani and uh, Dweva had a go at each other, and then uh, there was one with the Sharks where there was a big scuffle, and uh, Achia and Ox had a little meeting on the side while everything was unfolding. <laughs> so so yeah, that's their their attitude is pretty much that. Um, on on defense, they are just resolute. They tackle their hearts out, and they'll just keep on defending, keep on defending. But equally on attack, they behave quite similarly. They like to keep the ball in possession. Um, I think they uh, they've scored. I think they've scored the most tries in the in the tournaments from um, not from first phase possession. So they take it through mm. numerous phases, hold onto the ball, break you down, and then they round it off with the try. So so yeah, it they they've um I think they've improved a hell of a lot in just this season, but also since uh Johan van Kron left. And I, I think what a lot of what Van Kron did laid the platforms for this successful season with Munster and that there was quite a bit of tweaking that went on, but the platform was sort of laid. But yeah, they a very good line-out team. they a decent scrummaging team. Um, I won't say they're fantastic, but they're decent. And yeah, they're they niggly. They, they, don't, they don't give up and they just stay in the fight. Um, so yeah, quite interestingly, they also um, up there with the Stormers, like with, uh, with the most offloads in games. So you'll see that mm. quite often. That uh, Achia is quite big with it, that he gets an offload away quite a bit. Uh, Peter Omani, we've mentioned him quite a bit already in this podcast, but he also gets uh, quite a few offloads away. So does Byrne. 
so yeah, they 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 their pack is very physical, very aggressive. Attack the breakdown, big on lineouts, not fantastic scrummages, decent ones, but uh, they 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 are hard uh, team to crack. I'll round it off by saying that. Mm. Yeah, I I think also it's just interesting how much they enjoy having ball in hand. So that yeah. kind of plays into, I think, the clash of styles here because the Stormers are obviously a counter-attacking team. They'll defend, they'll mm. absorb, as we saw against Connacht. Connacht, I think, only had 40 tackles to make. And Stormers just absorbed, absorbed, absorbed. And then, obviously, when you let their um, back line get a bit of uh, of turnover ball, they just run for the, for the hills. So it'll be very interesting to see how they, they get that going. And I think the turning point for me, Jared, was once they got um, Jean Klein, Achis Neyman, and then later Peter Omani and Tug Byrne back into their team, the team looked a mm. lot better because it was kind of, start of the season, they were treading water. I mean, actually, they had a horrible start to the season. They lost, I think, to Dragons. And mm. I was thinking, and I think most of us were thinking, geez, Munster's not going to make the top eight. Like, mm. these guys are going to be playing Challenge Cup rugby, which is, I think, a disgrace <laughs> if you're a Munster yeah. fan. And then they just started building um, results. I remember another match that might be a bit of a turning point, a smaller one, was they faced the Bulls um, in Thorn Park and they completely owned the Bulls. Like, yeah. it wasn't even really close at the end. Like, they just completely dominated them in all, in all facets in the collision. And I think they said, okay, this is the basis of our game plan. And then slowly but surely, they bring in, like, very talented backs like Daly, Shane Daly and Colvin Nash brought them more into the game. Antoine Frisch has been, he's a really big talent there at number 13. Malachi mm. Fikitoa gives them some solidity at 12. And they started backing Jack Crowley, who looks like a really good um, 10. Uh, the Joe Carberry thing is a, is a bit sad though. And yeah, just those things started coming together. And then once they got those big boys back, it gave them obviously a bit more um, strength in, in the set piece, but also just like you said, that carrying threat and the ability of Snayman or Byrne or even Omani to throw an offload like that gets the attack going. Mm, no, exactly, exactly. I, I I totally agree with you. Um, I I think um a lot of the time we speak about a tight five and how good a team's tight five are. Um, Munster's back five of their scrum are incredibly mm. strong, and that's really where their mm. strength is. Um, like I say, they they I don't want to throw shade at their front row because they're not bad players, but they certainly not of the quality of Stephen Kitsoff and Franz yeah. Herber. But they, they can they can definitely hold their own, and I, I think Stephen Arch is well into the latter parts of his career, and he also seemed to have like a second breath um, this at the end of the season, and he's been. Mm pretty damn hard to to break down um he had a phenomenal game against uh leinster and i think he had quite a similar one against glasgow as well so so yeah um i think you spot on with that that uh these players coming back at the right time and being available to them certainly turned their season around and yeah they they've got they've built very good combinations um th- throughout the throughout the season i mean they've also got uh Ben Healy and Craig Casey coming off of the bench. I know both uh, both of them started the the last match, but generally they came come off the bench and 
they add something completely different um, in the latter stages yeah. of the game. Um, Healy can dictate a, a game quite well for such a young player. So can Crowley. And um, Casey's just, I, I, I think uh, the three Ray Kings call him a goblin, which uh, I, I think is <laughs> pretty accurate. He's just like a mm. little buzzy little scrum off. He, he reminds me yeah. a bit like of Ricky January. He's got a bit of zip to him, a bit mm. of attitude. And <laughs> yeah, great to watch. I think he's almost a smaller Dion Ferry in, in a weird way. Like very yeah. abrasive, and very aggressive. Very much. And puts his face yeah. in the wrong places most of the game. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, if Dion Ferry was a scrum off, he would be Craig Casey. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's he's an absolutely like brilliant player, and like you said, um, Jared, like they have options with their nine ten. You know, they probably with now um, Connor Murray being back fit, they'll probably start and he'll start with um, Crowley, and then off the bench you can put in Healy. Healy can play fifteen as well. Casey will will um, speed up the pace of the game as well, and it's actually crazy that they beat Munster without um, Connor Murray Lenser. without. Agnes name, I mean, sorry, Leinster beat Munster. I mean, Munster beat Leinster, sorry. <laughs> Without Murray and Sneiman, um, there's a player now that I'm missing as well. Uh, but yeah, they beat with Fekitoa as well. And I think daily. And that's, yeah, that just shows how good they are. Like, I didn't really give them a chance with that game, especially just being like, oh, you, it's going to be difficult to beat Leinster in your best days. Never mind if you're missing a bit of a few of your key players and you're doing all this away wins like it has to run out somehow, but it hasn't. And yeah, I've learned now to not count out Munster <laughs> in any circumstance. Yeah, but uh, I think the, we must remember it was a, a, it, it was a five game losing streak that they broke against Leinster hey, to to get mm. over the line. So. So yeah, Leinster were, did have a understrength side, but there was still plenty of quality in that uh, Leinster side to get them over the line, and they probably would have won it. I mean, they had mm. uh, Charlie Knight. I think played one game for the All Blacks, but he's definitely an international quality centre, and th they had him and uh, he, they paired him up with Henshaw for that match. So you just look there, um, Harry Burney. We constantly being told that he's uh, the next Johnny Sexton whatever, um, until Sam Prendergast came around. But there, there was definitely enough quality in that side to make for a decent game. Um, I, I must say, I, I, I did have a feeling, I think I did say it on one of the podcasts, that Leinster yeah, season would be coming to an end. I called it a bit too soon with the Sharks, but I did say that <laughs> they... I, I, I did call it a little bit too soon. The Sharks the sharks let me down, but thank God Munster came, came up and, uh, <laughs> and, and knocked them out. No, and it did. It, it you you were right at least in terms of uh, Leinster. They're going to get nothing from their finals or their knockout games in Dublin, which was yeah very prescient of you. Um, I think the only big player we haven't really mentioned from Munster um, is Gavin Coombs, who's actually yes. I think in some ways probably the kingpin that ties it all together for that um, for that back five like you talked about. Like he's you know a big um, a line-out option that they have. He's great um, on the ground. He's usually near the top for their turnovers. Him and Tark Burn cause a lot of issues, even though they don't necessarily have like a classical fetcher seven, like um, Alex Kendallin is probably something close to that, but he plays off the mm. bench. Um, 
he's really good at obviously he's a great ball carrier. He's great like in in in, in contact as well. Munster fans have been crying out for him to be um, more part of the Irish setup, and I think he's definitely in some ways that and maybe like we can start talking about matchups. I think that um, Coombs Evan Rose matchup is going to be epic and probably worth the 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 the, the ticket money alone because yeah. you've got a, a, a pretty much close to an all round eight and Rose is kind of getting there. He's played, I think, a really underrated role in the last two games with with John Fury not playing, um, mm, you know, mm. the eighteen minutes in in either of the games, and he's become more of a ruck. Um, you know, a ruck operator and and hitting rucks and and, and forcing turnovers and and, and causing a, a a bit of a mess there, and it's going to be quite interesting to see how these two players operate. Rose is going to be more um going to be given more freedom now that um John Fury is probably going to be coming back um the game this Saturday, and Coombs and I'm sure the whole Munster team will be targeting Rose to make sure that they can um they can stop him getting going because if you can stop uh, Rust from, you know, getting those big carries going, like that's a big way of stopping the momentum that the Stormers can get. No, hundred percent. And uh, I think uh, there's a lot of similarities you can draw with Coombs and with, uh, and, and with Rust. both of them are on the fringes of their respective uh, international teams. And they have um, one guy ahead of them, um, with Leinster, uh, with Ireland, it's sort of two with Jack Conan and uh, Caelan Doris. And mm. with South Africa, it's uh, Jasper. And you can argue to a degree with uh, Ulrich Lowe but, and Dwayne Vermeulen. So these guys are extremely talented. They're both excellent um, defensively and with ball in hand. And uh, I, I think I, I think it was Worm Rugby that uh, told me that one time, that Rose reminds him of a Labrador that uh, you just... Like you let them out on the field and they just, they run mad. Like, and they will just carry on running, chasing the ball, chasing the ball, chasing the ball. And that's, uh, mm. so I, I think, uh, Russ is definitely like that. He's always looking to get into, stuck into something. And, uh, Gavin Coombs is, uh, I, I, he doesn't give off the same energy, but he is relentlessly working throughout the game. Like I, I, it's such a basic stat to look at, but it's an easy way to see how much work one player is getting through. Is if you look at their tackles and their um, carries, and if they over ten or fifteen in one, then and they still get closer to ten in the in the other, it's a decent uh, gauge that they've done mm. a lot of work. And Coombs consistently hits over fifteen in both of them, so it's he's just. He wants to, he's like, he's like Ruiz. He's just constantly wants to get involved with the game. And I think, uh, I, I can't think that there's too many players um, from about five meters out from the line uh, with that pick and grow, pick and go. I don't think there's too many players much better than him in, in the URC. Mm. Yeah. And Jared, what, what other matchups are you looking forward to for Saturday? Yeah. I, th- I think the, the sense of battle is quite a nice one to look at. Um, just purely because uh, I think as combinations, they're the best center combinations in the competition um, throughout the season. They've played well together. So Dan Duplessis and Ruan Nell versus uh, Malaka and Antoine Frisch. I think there's quite a, uh, there's a, there's a lot of um, uh, likeliness in, in them. Um, Frisch is maybe just a bit, uh, 
underrated, much like Dan Duplessis. Um, but they've both had phenomenal seasons. And then you've sort of got the workhorses in uh, Malachi and Ronald who will do any. Uh, they are very, very good defensively and will uh, land those big shots. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't think Munster will go with the 10-12 um, that they started against Leinster uh, with Vikitoa back. So I think that will that will be one of the standouts uh, head-to-heads for me. Yeah, and I think also another place where you can see the momentum of the game and where it goes, because if Fikitoa and Fresh can, you know, impose themselves on the on the Stormers' midfield and either, you know, obviously defensively try to stop Duplessis and Nile from getting going and an attack, you know, get past them and put them under pressure, that's when there will be a big change in the in the momentum of the game as well. So. I can see that mm. being a very big um, clash in the middle there. Um, I think also oh, there's so many um, places to look mm. at, and I think this is this makes it such a big uh, matchup here. But a big question for the Stormers, you know, I think it sounds like John Ferry, he's been on the all the, all the training pictures, so seems pretty much certain that he's going to play on Saturday. Now the question is: Is Marvin Ori going to going to play on Saturday? Because he was obviously injured in the quarterfinal game against the Bulls. He wasn't available in the Connacht game. I don't think, or I haven't really heard anything about that. I don't know, Jared, if you have some info about that. So I know um, right after the final, Dobbo, uh, after the semi final, Dobbo said that both players were pretty close to making it back. And uh, Mm. they, Dion actually could have played the game against uh, Connacht. But there was a risk that if he did, he could injure himself and be out for months and would have put his World Cup in doubt mm. kind of thing. So so they didn't risk him. And I don't, I, I'm not too sure, but I think the situation with Marvin was uh, pretty similar, that they had injuries that they could have pressed. And let's say they were playing a World Cup final that weekend, they would have been playing. But because of, because it uh, was a quarterfinal, a uh, semifinal, they they took the risk. So I think both players will be back, and I think it's for this match. Um, those two guys are paramount to to the law uh, to the Stormers. I think uh, Munster will attack the breakdown massively, and you said they'll be yeah. marking Dion Free, making sure that his impact is limited. But uh, I think. Uh, uh, Munster's contesting lineouts with Omani, um, Akia, Byrne, uh, Coombs to a degree as well. Um, the Marvin Ori returning there is is so so key for the Stormers if they just to get make sure that they get the best out of their position uh, possession at the lineouts because uh, we saw it it faltered quite a bit against Connacht. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Stormers Munster um, round robin game and just looking at some of the stats. No one had more than one turnover in, in the game, um, which mm. is a clear sign that Dion Fury didn't play that game because <laughs> he usually has like two or three to his name. Um, the ones that got turnovers for the Stormers was um, Hachiva Daimani, Dantu Plessis, and Suleiman Hartzenberg. Um, and the loose trio for the Stormers was Ingelbrecht, Dixon, and, and Daimani. So already Russ and, and Fury are added mm. back to that team. And the Munster side, though, they can also counter that and say, um, uh, a certain target burn didn't play for them um, in this game. Yeah. So they're both bringing back some quality players um, into the game on Saturday. 
Um, so yeah, that Ori, I think the Ori, you can say Ori versus Klain. I think they're a bit more closer to role than yeah. um, Ori and Arias Neymar. Um, that's going to be a big battle just to see, like, obviously the lineouts, like, as you said, mm-hmm. Munster mm-hmm. can launch off lineouts. Stormers are great with, you know, their set-piece plays as well. And, of course, I think the Stormers, Stormers scrum is, is a lot stronger than um, when it does have Marvin Ori in the team. Another big battle yeah. I don't think we've mentioned, though, Jared, is um, the Stormers scrum against the ground. Um, yeah. As I said, as I said earlier, there's been some rain around in, in Cape Town, and if there's one Cape Townian that is absolutely pissed off that there's a final happening, it's probably the Cape Town's groundsman. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 Cape Town Stadium is just about to be relayed, and it's going to be getting some synthetic um, grass, and it's going to be like state of the art um, after the season happens. But they're literally just waiting for this game to 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 get past this game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and. He must be absolutely like spitting mad about the rain, about having the match, about preparing the ground. Like even on some of the pictures, um, the Storms had their captain's run today. You can see in some of the places that, oh, it's already divvying up already. Mm, mm. And I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, is that they get in this grass and everything put in this new surface in. And Stephen Bloody Kitsoff is leaving at the end of the season, so he won't even get to play on it as a Stormers man. I mean, you, you've got a full Springbok front row, and you've you ha- uh, the the ground is hamstringing you the whole time because it's it just isn't conducive for for power scrummaging. So it's more getting it in, getting it out, and I I, I think that's uh, one thing that sort of plays into Munster's hand that Kitsoff and Malherba can't really turn on turn on the full gas getting to second gear or third mm. gear because it, it the ground just not does not hold up so you have to be very technically sharp which both of them are but the power just doesn't it, the the impact of the power in the scrum is just limited somewhat so so yeah i i think that's uh <laughs> I, I think that's a major battle that uh hopefully the storms can come up uh come up on top with yeah, I, it it basically seems like, and this is what I sort of saw with the with the quarterfinal game and even the semifinal to an extent. The Stormers basically their strategy with the scrums is when we really need to, we will basically just <laughs> muck up the ground to win a particular mm. scrum penalty or to change yeah. the momentum. But if we go, you know, full out in every scrum, we're not going to have much of a field to play mm. on. So it seems like they sort of use those key moments, you know maybe to win a, a cheap penalty in front of the polls or to get out of um, their, their half to go, okay, this is now the time for Kitsoff and mm. Maloba to really like engage and really get going. So the I guess time they'll they just, try to use it. The rest They're of the time they just go full Yanni Duplessis and anchor in. <laughs> <laughs> just sit and just make sure you don't ruin as much of the ground as possible. That's probably their, um, uh, exactly. their strategy there. Um, another, uh, I think the final little or big battle I think to to look out for is just a a, a, a bit of a battle of of youngsters, if you want to call it mm. that, and um, really good um, finishers out there in the wing. Calvin Nash, I think, has been one of my favorite like emerging players from this uh, from this uh, URC, and I think he'll be probably marked up by Leland Zass at number eleven. And obviously, mm. Lindsay was the top try scorer last season. We know how good he is with finishing opportunities, and but he'll have his hands full with Nash um, defensively as well. He 
he's a really elusive player. He's quite powerful as well. He gets himself to the end of the try line, um, to the try line as well. And he's really prominent with offloads. Like even mm. um, he's someone that can sort of link up with 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 his players. So I think that will also be quite a big battle between those two. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm quite interested to see where Munster go with their with their wing selections because I think Daly has been excellent as well. And Earls uh, had an unbelievable game against Leinster when Nash was mm. um, ruled out. So I'm I'm interested to see if they if they go with um, with Nash and Daly or if they're going to split one of them and drop one of them to get Earls in the side. Um, I mean, what a hell of a send off it will be him as. Yeah, mm. a monster legend through and through, um, one club man. So that's that's the only thing that I can think of. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. It, it's a great uh, wing battle. And uh, I, th- I think the one that we would be remiss not to miss, uh, to mention is uh, the one at Flahoff with uh, money, the book mm. going up against Jack Crawley. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. No, that's obviously a, a, a battle of, you know, maybe possible future number 10s for both of their countries as well. Mm. And, I mean, Lebok has been the top point scorer. He's been absolutely fantastic this season. He's been really good at, and I think he, he picked himself up from, you know, the last time he faced um, in this game against Munster, he was missing kicks. He didn't have a good game. And since mm. then, he's really just shown sort of people that were starting to now speak out against him, saying maybe he doesn't have the BMT and all that sort of stuff. And he's been nailing pretty much everything. I mean, kick-wise, he's been, I think, pretty much flawless in the knockout games. And then we know how good he is in attack. And he is an absolute horror for for, for defenders just um, coming back. And he if he spots a gap, we know how good he is. Crowley, on the other hand, um, probably not as fast as LeBoc is, but really 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 you know an efficient player i think at 10 mm. we know now from the the end of the monster leinster game that he also has you know the the big balls the big cojones to really just you know slot a drop goal and to win a game in the last few minutes as well like you know something like that and especially when that happens to you relatively early in your career can really set you up for the rest of your mm. career because you now have that confidence that in the when when the game calls for it, you're able to, you know, do you know whatever's needed in order to win a game. So he's yeah, I think he's he's a very strong player himself. And you know, the Munster backline has been, I mean, we know how good the Stormers backline is. That's it's very clear just from looking at the names. But the Munster backline is also really good and is also quite an attacking force as well as we talked about. Like they they can get you know things going. Crowley does try to get his midfield and his wingers into play as well um you know him with um Haley if it's Haley or if it's um if 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 Ben Healy plays at fullback they both you know play off each other as like Mm. multiple playmakers so I think Munster will be also not scared of 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 not necessarily throwing the ball around you know like without any sort of consequence but they will if there's an opportunity to take it they will try to take it and they will try to expose the Stormers um defensively as well yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, you mentioned the drop goal there and Marnie's uh, BMT. I think if, if this game, I, I think this game is definitely going to be quite a tight one. So um, I think they they could pretty much decide the matches. Uh, 
mm. off of the tee or or with a with a winning moment like that. And uh, yeah, like you say, Libox in fantastic form, back to back man of the matches, and uh, Crawley's yeah taken on the responsibility this season of uh, yeah he. He knocked uh, Carberry out of the jersey, and then Healy knocked uh, Carberry off of the bench. So, for the, for the two of them, they've had great seasons, and they'll be looking to round it off with the with the title. But yeah, I, th- I think Libok, Le- uh, if Libok plays uh, this weekend like he played the last two matches, I think it's going to be a very difficult one for Munster to to edge. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've obviously started by trying to focus on Munster and then trying to mm. obviously ensure that we look at that. But I think on the Stormer side, I mean, I think we've probably gone, what, 30-odd minutes and haven't mentioned <laughs> David Willemse, which is probably mm. a record in talking about a, a Stormer's game or Stormer's-related game. Exactly. And yeah, he is obviously just a... Uh, I hate this phrase because it's overused, but he is really that X-factor type of player. That he really can create... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am trying to find another way to say it, but he is that something out of nothing type of player. And that's the brilliance of him. Like from, you know, diving in improbable angles to causing a break to Mm. his kicking, Mm. um, bailing the Stormers out. Like he, you know, you watch Stormers games and especially when you watch them live, like, and and that I've had the privilege of doing, like, there's something that says Damien Willemse is probably one of the best players, if not the best player on the yeah. park. I, I, do you know what I think's made him so much um, more important to the Stormers or such a so much better play is that he's learned when to try and influence the game and not yes. constantly produce a match-winning moment. Like, And like you said we've mm. spoken about half an hour and we haven't mentioned him. It's because we haven't needed to mention him. We don't need to say, yes, this... Uh, Willemse is uh, still trying to win the game by himself and he's coming in ahead of Libok at Flahoff and taking the ball to the line too often, not looking at the options around him. Um, there, there was a great try against Connacht uh, that uh, him and um, Libok and Willemse just, they uh, dovetailed so nicely um, in, in uh, phase play and I, I'm trying to remember which tr- uh, try it was. Um, I think it might have been Tiernison's no, it wasn't Tiannison's one, but uh, yeah, it, th- th- there was just such lovely attack between the two of them, and he mm. he's he's learned how to um, throw his stardust when it matters, and not just try do it every single time. Like not every play can be a try scoring play, and uh, I, I think uh, his aerial ability has gone up notches this season as well. So. So yeah, that's that's where I think uh, he's really improved for the Stormers. He's just been that guy that can add that little bit extra when it really matters, and then the rest of the time he is a normal squad member. Which it's, it sounds bad, but he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. Yeah, he he does his job, and then goes that little bit extra, maybe three times in a match instead of trying to do it twenty-five times in a match. Mm. No, and that's what a world-class player actually does, that he doesn't have to, you know, try everything and try to win the game in one play. Like in, in basketball, um, the NBA playoffs have been going on quite a bit. Like you sometimes have those players that like try to shoot themselves out of like a 10-point deficit in one shot, as if like mm. that one shot can 
you know, wipe away a deficit. And sometimes I think Damien was a bit um, guilty of that, especially when he was playing more fly half to be like, okay, the team needs me. Let me try to do something that like <laughs> causes a try from one phase, like deep in my 22. And he's slowly but surely put his game together that, okay, I don't need to do that. I actually need to just, you know, get things going, play the phases, play the pattern. And then when I can, you know, go for a run or put someone mm. away or put a chip or whatever the case may be. And I think it's also just him trusting Libok to yeah. if he sees an opportunity, he'll 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 do it. Or if if he sees something and tells money, he'll also get that done as well. And trusting yeah, just as trusting I think all of his players. Like Ron Nell's also gonna be really good with that. And he's obviously an efficient player. Dan Duplessis has become a key player for them and he's become really good. Like all the decision makers and the stormers back each other and mm. really trust each other's um, ability to really help them get through a, a tough situation. Like they know that Ruiz can like get um, gain line meters um, in, in, in contact. They know that Ajiva Daimani, if he gets the ball out wide, he'll be really good and, and skillful and get, and get the ball back to the wing if, if needed. Mm. They know that the wings will be there if there's a cross kick or a long pass or something like that and get meters. They know that the midfield will either find the players that they need to or if they need to just track it up in the middle so it works so well because everyone is just you know communicating with everyone and i don't think it's a surprise that both of these teams are in the final because they're probably those two probably the most well-coached teams in the competition mm. now like we know how good the stormers are we know how great their defenses and you know, um, Dobson, Lake, um, Norman Laker, Rito Shongani, they have a lot of credit for how the Stormers are going and like the different aspects of their play. And Munster, I think with Roundtree um, and, the, and the coaching staff, Lee they've me. been really yeah. good. Lee me, yeah. They've really grown from where they were at the start of the season. You can see like things that they struggle with at the start and the improvement that they've made. I mean, there's, that's obviously the reason why they, they've been really good. So, yeah, even the battle of the coaches, I think that will be, you know, worth it as well, just to see the strategy. Because Munster's strategy, especially for that Leinster game, was absolutely brilliant with regards to yeah. not giving Leinster any um, uh, launch um, launch um, uh, attacks with their lineup ball, not giving Leinster any quick ball. And mm. that is the two big things in the formula. And I'm sure for the Stormers game, they're going to be trying to you know, negate any opportunities in counterattacking or they actually probably will, if, if anything, try to kick it out <laughs> just to slow the game down, <laughs> not let the Stormers just break away and to, you know, punish a bad kick or to punish a, a turnover mm. that they get. And of course, as we say, they're going to be targeting Dion Fury and, and have a sniper on him. Like, I'm sure Dion Fury and Achis Neyman are going to be well acquainted by the end of the game. Yeah, and, and John Klan as well. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I I I, th I think that's spot on. Um, I think the Stormers Mall and their launch plays from the the lineouts are great, but the, it's just getting the ball to the fucking jumpers' hands that has been their problem, and getting it clean with these hands. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and yeah, I, I'm saying that very quickly. And whoever has uh, sorted his lineouts out, but but like even against Connacht, uh, I think they only lost one or two lineouts. But it, the quality of ball that they got from their lineouts just it wasn't good enough. And when they mm -hmm. did get it right, um, Libok punished Connacht with uh, with the with these gameplay. So so yeah, I, I think it's um, what I found um, really intriguing about this match is that. 
um, the monster manufacturer um, opportunities but uh, keeping the ball in hand, taking it through multiple phases, stretching the defense, that kind of thing, where the Stormers um, will snap on you in a second and be mm. ruthless um, with anything like we, we can put it down to counter-attack, but it's not necessarily all the time counter-attacking play. It's just instinctive play that um, is is not really pre-planned, or if it is pre-planned, they sort of catch uh, the opposition out of way. So, yeah, it, it, I, I think a great way to sort of highlight that is that uh, Diamani had three carries against uh, in, in certain finals against Connacht. He had three <laughs> carries made 24 meters and assisted two tries. I mean, the, 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 the guy barely touched, he barely touched the ball all game. And then when he did touch the ball, he assisted two tries and had two clean breaks. Like that's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like you, you can only, it's like preparing uh, for, to make sure that uh, Richie McCall is not going to turn over the whole time. And you mm. stop him from doing it for 75 minutes. And then, um, you you let let it go because he hasn't done it the whole game, and then he comes up with four turnovers in the last five minutes of the game. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't stop certain things. I think no, like there's, exactly. There's only so much that they can do, and mm. yeah, I think the interesting thing also just from the previous Stormers Monster game is Monster really it seemed like focused on having a quick start. Like they were, mm. you know, they got a, a try in the first minute, and then they were twelve nil up. And by the end of the first quarter so and the Stormers you know they I think they also tried to be a quick starting type of team but they they're also quite comfortable especially at home to really come back and, and really build momentum in the mm. game as well so they don't really let you know a deficit phase them but I think it's going to be if the if Munster falls behind if, if the Stormers do a Leinster and, and get like 15-17 points up um, in the first 20 minutes, I don't know if Munster can win. But if Munster gets a, a bit of a, a lead going, I think that could be, you know, something. A I'm sure this, issue, yeah. I think the Stormers have a better chance. But, yeah, I think that will be quite mm. decisive. So I think Munster needs a, a quick start in this game. Yeah, and I think um, there's been quite a few games uh, over the season where the Stormers have had soft periods, and um, mm. if they have if they have that soft period, um, and Munster are extremely profitable in that uh, soft period, it could be it could be the deciding uh, facet of the game or period of the game. Like we saw while the Stormers finished against Connacht, but they did have patches in that game where you thought maybe Connacht could actually come back and, and surprise mm. us. Like it, yeah, you, you weren't completely uncomfortable by it, but you were like, it, it could happen. It could happen. And I think uh, it's not a, like if we were playing Lens this weekend, we would be saying um, if this happens to this, if the Stormers have that period, they will lose that, this match. I think uh, if they do it against Munster, there's a pretty good chance as well. So, you, you, you're not going to be able to put a, together a perfect 80-minute performance, but you need to make sure that that 10 minutes uh, before uh, that 10 minutes stint, you're not leaking three trials or two trials, mm. maybe just the one. Yeah. Do you think Munster might have a better bench than the Stormers because they'll pos- probably have you know we talked about mm. Casey and Healy and Earls and Kendallin also coming off the bench. You know, those are fantastic players. Like, you you can't really go wrong with them. 
I'm wondering, and I mean, the Stormers bench isn't, you know, horrible by any means. Like, you know, having the likes mm. of Nedling for Shear coming in and Dixon and Engelbrecht and probably Porto Vett and either um, probably Clayton Blomikis as well. Um, I think Munster might, uh, you know, the, the, the first 15, I think the Stormers have the mm. edge, but I think Munster has the edge now with their, with their bench. I, I think you might be right, um, especially like you say, um, they they will have to they'll probably drop like John uh, Hodnett from from the starting lineup to get uh, Akia back mm. in there. So he, he comes in, and Byrne will probably move into the second row once uh, when he comes off bench with Ken Dillon or um, Hodnett coming on. So I, th- I think they might have a slight edge. Like I don't think it's uh, clear that one side's like. Majorly better than the, or the one bench is majorly better than the other, but I think I think Munster mm. do have the slightest of edge. Like, I'm I'm talking about Hodnitz dropping to the bench for for Munster, but <clears throat> Engelbrecht is going to drop to the bench for the Stormers. And yeah, Engelbrecht yeah. had a phenomenal game in the semifinals. He made saying like 23 tackles or something like that, and yeah. in 60 minutes, like he, he had a phenomenal game. So yeah, I I I, I think. Uh, yeah, like round her off by saying that I do think Munster are marginally better there, but the Stormers don't have the superstar names, but they've got the guys that can get the job done. Yeah. Jared, before we get into serious predictions, let's try to make a bit of a few random predictions for the game. Um, so mm-hmm. we saw now that last year, the Stormers in their um, medal presentation did the probably world-class thing of um, having um, you know young kids present the the medals to them, and that was an, an amazing moment. And you had like this, the the players like bend to their level mm. and all that sort of stuff. Like that was fantastic. Um, I'm wondering if they sort of take that a few other steps now. I wonder if they have like you know you know walk out with kids like as they get out the tunnel. They maybe have like a you know kids like do something in the halftime like um, entertainment as well. Like you know, there's one way of getting, you know, the sympathy of the crowd is that you have kid performers <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm sure that might be something that happens. Um, and the other one is obviously, you know, uh, Tina Turner's just passed away. So I'm assuming that whoever wins the 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 the, the song that'll be played is simply the best. It's got to be, hey? It surely is. It's got to be. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> although uh, I, I, I say it's got to be, but Salah, we know that all the South African D, uh, DJs at these at these stadiums just constantly <laughs> play Sweet Caroline every fucking time. So <laughs> that might be the, the winning song that's bolted out in Cape Town. But uh, if, if oh, you're goodness. the stadium D, DJ at DHL Stadium, please do not play Sweet Caroline the whole game um, and simply the best when the team's about to lift, lift the title that'll be fantastic <laughs> yeah and then what do you think the Peter Marnie sledge for this weekend will be probably something about oh, George Weber's um, um, yeah. comment about effing up Munster yeah yeah you, you'll probably just uh, I, I thought you were going to F us up in like the first minute after his uh, like <laughs> I'm not like I wouldn't be surprised if Omani like uh, bounces to ever like once and then like goes straight down and says I thought you're gonna f us up and you'll probably shout it loud enough that we can get it on the referee's mark hopefully but uh, Omani will definitely be throwing out some sledges after that one and 
I hope that Weber's going to back up uh, his, his uh, comments and he does fuck them up. <laughs> we can Look, be a bit biased on the, this one. <laughs> yeah. Who is the Stormers lead, lead sledger? Is it, I, I think it's Marvin Ori. Marvin Ori. Is it Ori? Yes, of course. Don't you remember uh, the, that one game? It was brilliant. Uh, the Bulls got a penalty. Um, Mornay Stain took it quickly and uh, the referee didn't like that. But as Stain was running back, um, Ori was about to tackle him. And as he turned around to run back, Ori just scooped the ball out of his hands. And like, he's a shithouse all the time. I mean, the last time they played against the, um, against Munster now, he put his hands over Amani's eyes. They, some some mm. say it was gouging. I don't think there was any gouging in it, but he put his hands over um, Amani's eyes. So he, uh, the rage couldn't get there, but yeah, or, or he's definitely the the chief uh, sledger at the Stormers. Oh goodness! So the Ori Omani um, competition to see who's going to get away with mm. the most um, shithousery is going to be fantastic. Probably there's there's also the um, prospect of Herschel Yankees and uh, Connor Murray going uh, up against each other again. Ooh. I don't know if you remember from the from the third line series in uh, 2021 after um, the box won it, uh, Herschel Yankees went right up into uh, Conor Murray's face and shouted and screamed, <laughs> celebrating in his face. <laughs> so no, I, I think fantastic. that one might be spicy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, even Herschel against Casey will be interesting because, yeah, both yeah. of them are, you know, small little, small little goblins, I think. They, they do mm -hmm. have that characteristic in them. So... Yeah, I, oh, the, I think there'll be a lot of chat um, in the ref mic. And yeah, mm. Andre Perardi has, has his work cut out because there'll definitely be a lot of, um, let's call it helpful suggestions from, from the two teams yeah. as to what, what he should do. No, exactly. And, and luckily, Johnny Sexton isn't uh, there to berate him <laughs> at halftime and full time. So, <laughs> so he, yeah, he can we, be pretty sound that uh, he, he should be okay with most of his decisions. We are still waiting for that Sexton and um, Ogara video to drop because I can only imagine what was being said there and it's going to be fantastic television. I, I, I wish Netflix was filming that match instead of the Six Nations, actually. Imagine, imagine somewhere down the line, Ogara becomes uh, the, the British and Irish Lions uh, head coach and uh, decides, no, you need somebody to really challenge him in his coaching box and gets uh, Sexton. Like the behind the scenes documentary of that would just be fucking fantastic. Like the two of them, <laughs> like, like we, we, they hated each other when they first started out at, uh, mm. in, in Munster versus Leinster. But then when they, when Sexton went into the Ireland camp, like there, there's no love lost there, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw someone on Twitter saying that, look, they've become better friends now because they were together at Racing. And like, it seems like mm. we're all report. Like they, they're a lot more friendly to each other. Even the wives get on with each other. But even Sexton during the, um, the, the, after the Six Nations, yeah, he was interviewed in, the, in Good, Bad and Rugby. And he was asked about taking over from Ronan's um, points um, record for the Six Nations. And he basically mentioned that, like, you know, Ronan's not going to be too happy about it. And it does, I think it's still, there's still at least some form mm. of level of rivalry between those two. So, I'm sure, yo, I can, oh, and I'm sure there's going to be a, because Sexton 
just gives me the vibes of someone that's going to be a coach in rugby. And no, probably he's definitely really good. Is. Yeah. So yeah. imagine there's, having O'Gara, o, um, O'Connell, and Sexton as the coaching team. Hmm? That, that, yeah, it would be fucking mad. I mean, they, they're they saying that uh, Sexton will be going into a position in the Leinster coaching staff at the end of the season already. Mm. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they did something pretty similar with O'Brien as well. Sean O'Brien, uh, he's just joined the team. Mm. So, yeah, I I don't know quite how he fits in, but uh, you can see uh, the, the way Sexton operates, he's definitely going to be a head coach or a, a assistant coach at least. and. Uh, yeah, they it, it, it's it would be good value to see them. Leinster versus Munster, the head coaches would, would be great. <laughs> mm. No, a random random aside, Ron mm. Nell is probably the, the most coachiest <laughs> rugby player in South Africa right now. Like he just seems like he's yeah. also gonna be a world class coach when he retires. He's got a face of a coach as well. Look, like your uh, high school PE teacher kind of face. <laughs> you, you're so right, actually. I never thought of that, but you, you're actually on point there. Yeah, yeah but it's well, no taken word. nothing That's away great. from... <laughs> it's not a slot, but he definitely does look like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that is fantastic. No, he... Yeah, he definitely gives that vibe off as well. No, there's... You know, there's going to be a lot of... Um, Matchups. There's gonna be some interesting chat and banter. Munster also must be sick of South Africa, um, somewhat mm-hmm. because this is their third visit now. South Africa in the last like two months. Yeah, Peter Marnie's wife better be looking after his garden because otherwise there's gonna be hell when he gets back, <laughs> regardless of the results in in Cape Town. <laughs> no, there's yeah. I mean, actually, we we probably should have asked Peter to maybe take care of the grassy in South Africa in the in the Cape Town Stadium. He probably could have done something there. Yeah, uh, I think his green finger would have been able to sort it out proper. <laughs> okay, Jared, we've delayed this long enough. Now we need to commit ourselves to some predictions. But before we talk about this match, let's ask about or let's very quickly talk about the the Premier final you quickly mentioned, yeah. um, Saracens versus Sale. Ford versus Farrell, part 400, like, yeah, all the narratives. Mm. Secunda, Secunda Sharks against the, the Saracens or South African <laughs> Saracens, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of, there's at least some South African interest in this game. Where, yeah. where do you think this game's going to go? You know what? Uh, I, I uh, did my prep for, for this uh, preview that will be up on Planet Rugby at some stage, but uh, I, I found it incredibly difficult to call and yeah, I, I think the two packs are reasonably um, well uh, matched and then the back lines are the same and like it just sort of comes down on who has uh, the better game or who gets the upper hand and gets momentum and if the other t- if the other fly half in particular is able to swing it. So I think it will be heavily reliant on uh, Ford versus Farrell and we can snore about that all we want. It is that, <laughs> like, it's going to come down to that. And, uh, yeah, overall, I just think that Saracens just have too many uh, guys that have been there in finals, done it, won it um, in the Champions Cup in the Premiership. And for sale, they haven't been in a final for 17 years. And they do mm-hmm. have some players like Ford that have been there and done that. But I just don't think they have enough of them. And winning playoff rugby in finals, especially the tight ones, it's it's a learning curve and it doesn't just happen. So 
I, I, I'd go Saracens by, by score, uh, three points, four points. Mm. Yeah, I think it might be a bit more. I mean, Saracens also quite angry from last season. They didn't really do mm. well in the Champions Cup this season. Yeah, I think this is the Farrell, yeah. Toje, George masterclass of, hey, England fans, you, I know you want us out, but <laughs> we're still the best players that you have by a long shot. But I, I can I think see it, a heroic... Yeah, sorry, I, I, think it could, I, I think it could go that way, but the, the only reason I... I didn't say that is uh sale have the best defense in the premiership so yeah mm, it, it mm. things can get out of hand but when you're coming up against the best defense uh in any competition it, it takes a lot to really flatten them like that but i i, I do agree yeah, with you. It, it could go, it could go that way yeah look i i'm just sales sales in that category of teams and fortunately maybe Leicester has to join them in I'm not going to believe them in like a big knockout game until I see it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, them's the rules for sale. I've been sort of burnt before by oh, okay, look the the sale team's looking good, the players looking good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then they don't really produce. So I am going to probably go. Um, I'm going to go sale, and I think it's going to be relatively comfortable. It might Sorry. be the last <laughs> seems. Uh, sorry, Saracens, it might be comfortable. <laughs> also, it might be the last um, final in Twickenham for a while, apparently. That's something that the yeah. Premiership is looking at, which is interesting. Um, I wonder then where the finals will be. Like, in s- soccer stadiums? Yeah, you would have to think so. Um, like, I mean, this game could have quite easily uh, been played at Old Trafford or something like that. Um, yeah. Premiership season's just ended. Yeah, it's quite possible. Premier League season is just ended, yeah. so... So they could go to one of that, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Quite, they've had quite a few rugby matches there. So I, I think it will be, it would be a nice change. I think uh, you, know, you sort of see, imagine if we had to play the um, game at the Viva this weekend as well. Um, it would mm. also be a bit of a dower. So I, th- I think it's nice to maybe take the game to other parts of England, but uh, it's a conversation for another time, I suppose. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, and then the main event for us, the RC final, Storm is trying to go, uh, trying to double, go for the double, and Munster, you know, continuing their party pooper reputation. Jared, where where do you think this is going to go? Yeah, so I, I was hoping to maybe see the uh, lineups before uh, the lineups before we did uh, hmm. predictions, and uh, yeah, we're doing this uh, before the uh, lineups are announced. But I think the Storm is. I think the storm has just won it. Um, I really do. I, I think uh, it can get out of hand in the last uh, 10 minutes and they could score two or three quick tries um, as the toll of all the travel and everything uh, comes to a close for, for Munster. But I, I, I do think it's going to be a ferocious battle, a ferocious game, uh, lots of big hits. Um, but yeah, I, I want to go three points to the Stormers. Um, but also, again, mm. it, it could quite easily um, go into a double-digit score, in in my opinion. Yeah, I'm 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 struggling with this one. Mm. I th- everything in me says it should be the Stormers. I think the Stormers have been the better team in, over the season. The Stormers have mm. a very good defense. They are obviously great in the counter attack. Money Lebok is not missing. Um, you know, going for posts, he's. And, they, and the Storms have a great set piece. So those things point to 
you know, mm. one team winning. And even it's not going to rain, which maybe would have been an advantage for Munster. But yeah, it seems like on Saturday it's going to be clear for the day. Thank goodness. Um, but there's something about Munster, man. There's just mm. something that do you know what it is, is making me very scared. I think it's like uh, the Springboks in 2019 that uh, they were just incredibly difficult to beat. And Mm. they they weren't like overly convincing in their victories. They were just difficult to defeat and they clinched it at the end. So I think that's sort of where that feeling comes from. And yeah, I I don't think it would be shocking if either side won this game. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and please do not kill me, people of Cork, if you see me on (laughs) Saturday. Stormers by about five, but if Munster wins, I am not at all surprised. And I can definitely see like Peter Marnie lifting the trophy <laughs> or Todd Byrne and Peter Marnie doing like a last minute turnover to secure it. Like it's more than possible. So I would probably go Stormers by a little bit. I, I, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. I think we've pretty much gone this the same route with it. And uh, yeah, we both think it's going to be tight in the end. So. Yeah. Yeah. As I was saying to someone on Twitter, look, as a Bulls fan, I can't really lose this weekend. Either <laughs> I can tease Munster fans and Ireland people and Irish people and say, Oh, you guys look shaky before the World Cup, or I can give it back to the Stormers people and say, like, you know, you choked a, a final at home. So, you know, either way, I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I'm just I'm just stoked for a, a big clash, and like I say, it, I think it's a lot more enticing than uh, what we're getting in the Premiership this weekend. And if mm-hmm. the Champions Cup was a pretty damn good curtain raiser for for the URC this weekend, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, look, if it's ninety percent or eighty percent of the quality of the Champions Cup final, we are in for an amazing game on Saturday. Yeah, Jared, I think let us wrap it up here. I think it's, yeah, I think we've covered almost all bases. This is our, our preview pod for, for for this weekend's game. Yeah, we hopefully you'll get it um, during the course of Friday or late on Friday so you can listen to it. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to Regular Bits podcast. We, yeah, we'll obviously be back um, early next week to review the game and to talk about how, you know, the, the two big finals happening. And yeah, I'll also just wrap up from like um, what's happening in the top 14 and the Super Rugby and start to slowly but surely turn our eyes towards the, the big, 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 big um, tournament that's happening September and October. Jared, thank you so much. All the best. Thanks, you are actually, yeah, you're going to be in South Africa in, in, in a few days, right? Yeah, yeah. Coming in uh, on Monday. So right off the game uh, or pretty much the next day after the game, after the weekend's games are climb on the flats and hit home perfect yeah so hopefully jared will be coming into a parade in cape town and yes thank you ladies and gentlemen please follow us on um the rugby bits page on on, on twitter and all the social media channels and like share and subscribe this podcast with the rugby world thank you <laughs>